0: <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor.
1: Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. At the half hour, we'll be entertained by that zany comedy duo, Abbott and Costello, But first on our agenda, a visit with the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, Johnny Dollar, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Each case usually started with a phone call from an insurance adjuster calling on Johnny to investigate an unusual claim, a suspicious death or attempted fraud. Each story required Johnny to travel to some distant locale, usually within the United States, but sometimes abroad, where he was almost always threatened with personal danger in the course of his investigations. Each story was recounted in flashback, and every few minutes the action would be interrupted by Johnny listing a line item from his expense account, which served as an effective scene transition. And most of the expense account related to transportation, lodging, and meals, but no incidental expense was too small for Johnny to itemize. The episodes generally finished with Johnny tallying up his expense account, and traveling back to Hartford, Connecticut, where he was based. Tonight's episode's entitled, Dead First Helpers.
2: From Hollywood, it's time now for Edmund O'Brien as...
3: Johnny Dollar. This
4: is Bill Hudson, Johnny. Grand Industrial Assurance. Remember?
3: How could I forget? Who's the assembly line busted down this time? It's
4: steel, Johnny. Cornell Steel, Pittsburgh. Lots of so-called accidental deaths from the open hearth furnaces. Frankly,
3: it smacks of money to me. Could be hot work. I'll bring my sweatshirt. When's the next plane for Smokeville?
5: <laughs>
2: Edmund O'Brien in another transcribed adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator.
3: Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Johnny Dollar. <laughs> Expense account, submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Great Industrial Assurance Corporation of America, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of my expenditures during investigation of the dead first helpers. Expense account, item one, $83.24 plane fare to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, a land of chimneys and open-house furnaces where I met Supervisor Joel Barrett.
4: Five men in a single month, Mr. Dollar. All of them first
3: helpers. What's a first helper?
4: Well, it goes like this The milter foreman is in charge of a number of furnaces. The first helper is in charge of an individual furnace. Under him are the second helpers and the cindersnaps.
3: I see. Well, how did the deaths occur?
4: In a number of ways. One man tumbled down a flight of stairs. Two were killed by a crane magnet. Another one fell from the pouring platform. And just last week, one of our best men was killed in an explosion of a hot cap bowl.
3: You better explain that one.
4: Uh, Certain types of steel have to be capped after they've been poured from the ladle to the ingot, you see. Sometimes the pressure is so great inside of them that when the pourers shoot water on the cap to seal it, the cap flies off and sprays a man with molten steel. I've seen it happen only once,
3: Mr. Dollar. That's enough for me. Any connection between these deaths? How do you mean? I mean any common denominator, anything that could provide a motive for murder.
4: None that I know of, uh, except for the fact that all the men had been with us for a long time, 15 or 20 years.
3: Just the boys who know their way around, eh? That's
4: what's so strange, Mr. Dollar. None of them have ever been found to ignore safety regulations. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, how do you plan
3: on proceeding? Well, it's been my experience that plant investigation from the outside is pretty often a waste of time. The men are on their guard. You want to go right to work in the shop? What did you say they call the lowest man on the open-heart furnace?
4: Cinder snap.
3: Well, you break out the overalls, Mr. Barrett. We'll see how good I am at snapping cinders. <laughs> Expense account item two, twenty five 25 cents for work cap. Every other item of equipment provided by the company. Expense account item three, $1 for blister salve and adhesive tape for hands after first eight hours of work. Expense account item four, 75 cents for liniment for back after second eight hours of work. Expense account item five, ten dollars first union fees, United Steelworkers CIO. Footnote, the fourth day on the job is the hardest.
6: What? City car! The wheelbarrow! Come on! Right! Move! Go on! Yeah? Get on the road! They're stepping close! Lord! Get on the road! Right! Go no. on! Yeah? Where's the city car? Oh, I gotta get on the road! Well, get to the road! The city car! And we're banging! You're one! yeah.
3: a killer, but more and more I felt myself becoming a part of the making of steel. It's really something to watch the straight, white-hot steam pound into the ingot molds from the ladles. And I began to know these men whom you never hear about, the men with the big backs and the soaking red bandanas around their waists, like Andre with the funny last name who got a kick out of helping me along. It's all right, Dora. You get the swing of it. It's not half so hard like you think. After a while, you get strong, get tough like nails. Oh, my aching back. Bet you never eat so good, huh? Bet you never sleep so good. Oh, I dream about lime-silicon ratios. You want not see trend tomorrow? Yeah, if you mean the midnight shift, yeah. Good, you be with me. i show you lots of things. Well, I don't mind the work, but frankly, I'm scared. You work good. They not fire you. It's not that, Andre. I mean, cranes and scrap cars and ladles of steel, 3,000 degrees hot. You learn how to go around, you have no trouble. You remember the rule, you have no trouble. You'll be fine. Maybe. But some of the boys were saying that five men died in the last month. And boys that should know how to get around. Right, Andre? Accidents always happen. Fools, the old ones, they are the careless ones. They know, they think they know so well the rule, they slip and poof. Yeah, you said it. Poof. Sometimes it isn't so easy to make friends in a steel mill. Sometimes, no matter how hard you try, you know that you've lived too soft a life to ever get information from a steel man like Joe Poland. I found him in the company cafeteria. Where do you come? Chicago. You don't look Chicago. What do I look? You look from office building. Where you was before? Office building. Your hand like baby, soft like milk. How'd they take you? Guess I've got an honest face. What? Give it. Eat your soup. It's getting cold. Yeah. Kirk Brody. What you saying? Nothing. Just Kirk Brody. Kirk Brody. How you know Kirk Brody? He dead when you come. I know. Killed by a hot cap mold. Kirk Brody friend. I like him. What good. Who is working with him, Joe. Masaloni. Glad it wasn't me. I'd hate to have that on my conscience. You're nosy. You maybe work for Barrett. Barrett. Uh, I don't like. Finish your soup, Joe. It's getting cold. Yeah. Yes, uh... Then there was Fred, another first helper, who helped me understand the general feeling... About Mr. Barrett. You'll learn what it's like, Dollar. You married? Not yet. Well, if you were married and maybe
7: had a couple of kids, you'd find out. You'd lie awake at night and you'd wonder, will it be me? Will I get that blue slip tomorrow? What if something happened to me? Would she get anything from the insurance? Things like that. How long you been here? Five
3: years. And tomorrow they can say, that's all, friend. And where are you? You sound like you know your way around, Fred. What's your idea on these... Accidents? Accidents. no such thing as an accident, Dollar. People who want to live cross the street with the light. Same way in steel, like Kirk Brody, killed last week. I decided to pay Kirk Brody's widow a call. But there was so little to go on, I had nothing to lose. She lived in a cold water flat. There was still a black wreath in the door. Yes? Mrs. Brody?
8: That's right.
3: I wonder if I could see you for a moment. I'm with Cornell Steele.
8: Come in. Won't you sit down?
3: Thanks. My name is Dollar. I'm investigating the accidents that occurred in the open hearts, Mrs. Brody. I'm sorry to trouble you about it, but there are some things I have to know. Kirk was the last one. It happened three weeks ago, is that right? Yeah.
4: Three weeks ago, Tuesday.
3: On the accident report, it said he was killed when a hot cap. Blew off a mold.
8: I knew it would happen, Mr. Dollar. I knew it would happen. It was as if I could have stopped it.
9: Oh, Kirk was always careful.
8: Always. Only that day when he left the house, I had a feeling something was going to happen. I said, Kirk, please be careful. He smiled.
6: It was the
4: last
8: I... I
3: spoke. I won't trouble you any further, Mrs. Brody.
8: Oh, Nora. I want to tell you what's happening, Mr. Dollar. I'll tell you what it
4: is. It was this way with Kirk. It's this way with the others. It's their job. They're scared for their job. You want to investigate. You want to investigate Barrett. He's the
6: one to investigate.
3: Hope nobody saw you come in here. Nobody did, Barrett. Uh, what'd you find out? Well, nothing you could call factual, but there's some kind of tension in the shop. Something's going on.
4: Well,
3: production is holding its own. No, they work all right. But it's like they're frightened of something. I want to look at your employment records.
4: Well, sure thing. Uh, right in that file
3: drawer. Thanks.
4: You know, it uh, certainly is odd, Dollar. Every one of the men killed was alone at the time. No witnesses at all.
3: Oh, really? That's something you neglected to tell me on my first visit here, Mr. Barrett. Uh,
4: Slipped my mind.
3: Ah, it seems several other things slipped your mind.
4: What do you mean? Well, like
3: a little communication I found on the bulletin board in the locker room.
4: What communication? To the
3: effect that due to various conditions beyond our control, layoffs will be necessary in some cases and men will be laid off consistent with their seniority.
4: now, Now, what possible connection could that have with the five
3: deaths? You had the answer to that question, but I had to find it out on my own. I don't call that active cooperation, Mr. Barrett. What's that, uh... The five uh, men were killed in order of seniority. The killer, whoever he is, obviously is scared to death of losing his job. According to your files, the next man slate of accidental death is another first helper, Mike Baroldi. Now, you knew all that. Why didn't you speak up? Well, I don't know.
4: It, it never hit me as particularly important. You know
3: Cornell Steele isn't laying off anybody right now. Maybe you're trying to scare the men into more work. And I doubt if that's company policy, Mr. Barrett. You have your job to do, Dollar. That's to find this
4: killer. I have my job to do. That's to boost production.
3: Is that all right for you? Perfectly all right. And I'll take my job any day. Right. Yeah? Come
6: here. What? The delay clerk's chatting. Okay!
3: I just blocked her with manganese for the tap, Don. I can't waste no time. Look, this won't take long. Mike, you're on somebody's death list, you know that? What are you talking about? I'm with the Plan insurance company investigating the five deaths that occurred here in the last month. According to my figures, you're next.
5: Ah, <laughs> <laughs>
3: cut it out. It's not just a matter of accident, Mike. It's murder. You're the highest man in the shop and seniority outside of the melt foreman. Somebody is knocking off the top of the list one by one. So just watch your step. I believe it when I see it. When you see it, Mike, it's going to be too late. That night toward the end of the shift must have been about 6 in the morning, Mike was cleaning cinders from the furnace floor on the taphole side. I was making it my business to keep an eye on him. He was sweeping the cinders off the platform down into the empty ladle set 30 feet below. As a first helper, it wasn't his job, but Mike was like that. Suddenly, from the other side of the furnace came the huge figure of a man and that asbestos cloak and hood over his head and body. Mike turned, and a look of terror came into his face. They started for him, but too late. Whoever it was picked Mike up, held him aloft for a split second, and hurled him to his death.
2: And now, with our star, Edmund O'Brien, we return to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar.
3: gathered around the body of Mike Baroldi, and I gave chase to the killer. It was like running after a brown ghost. He ducked up the aisle between furnaces and hopped gingerly over the coupling of a train of cold strat. I wasn't so lucky. I climbed up, but my foot got caught in the coupling guide, and I fell on my face. The next thing I remember, I was in the plant inspector's office. He was dismayed. He took one gander at my noggin and launched into Lecture 1A of the safety inspector's manual. And look at this. Another example. Look at his head. You're lucky to be alive. What rule did you break? Uh, Section 3, Code 2. Don't you be funny with me. You know, I could have you fired, you know. I'll bet you could. What have you found out about Mike Baroldi? I filled in a full report. Poor man fell over the railing while cleaning the platform. Not quite. What? He was pushed. Pushed? Who pushed him? I don't know. The killer had an asbestos cloak and hood over him. A killer? This is worse than I thought. You got a skeleton key to the lockers? I want to see Mike's belongings. Look, just who do you think you are? I'm with the Grand Insurance Company, mister. You give me the key, and I think we can have this thing straightened out in no time. He was so stunned, he sent me to the open-heart production office where I got a key. The locker room was empty. I went to Mike Baroldi's locker first. I found his wallet with a pass to the plant in it and $3 in cash. It was a picture of a woman holding a baby. I put the wallet back, looked through the inside pocket of his coat, empty. I closed the locker and started a methodical search of each locker in the place. About two-thirds down the first row, I came to a locker labeled Andre LeMaire. La I opened it and found what I was looking for. An asbestos cloak and hood. There had been a tear on the sleeve of the cloak worn by the man who had killed Mike Baroldi. I took the cloak with me, locked up, and walked down the aisle to the door. Somebody was coming in just as I was coming out. It was Joe, big Joe Poland. What you do here, nosy? Aren't you supposed to be at work? I feel sick. Where's Andre? Andre work. Number 10? Like always, number 10. You nosy fella. I get nosier. Did you ever see this asbestos cloak before? Sure. It used to blow a topple when they put out new heat. You seen it lately? Like on somebody? Sure. Andre, he have coat. When? Before. Before what? I don't know. Before. All right. Thanks, Joe. See you later. Yeah. You tell Andre Joe Sieg. Joe go home. I'll tell him, Joe. Hey, hey, wait. Inspector say Mike Baroldi pushed from rail. That's right. How he know? I told him. How you know? I saw it. You see Andre push Mike, huh? What makes you think it was Andre? Andre Batsubber. He don't like this Mike. Always make trouble for this Mike. And you don't like Andre? Sure I don't like Andre. Why you think I tell you? Did you see Andre? I see him go to Furnace where Mike is. Oh, oh, stomach too big. You go on home, Joe. You don't look so good. As far as I was concerned, there were two main possibilities. Two big boys. One was Joe Poland. The other was Andre LeMayer. I stuck the asbestos cloak that I found in Andre's locker in the production office where I could get to it later. The sun had come up, and Andre was standing there, enjoying the fresh air before going down to the locker room. Hello, Della. It's a beautiful day. Yeah, it is. It's a beautiful day. That man should have to bury himself in this dirt and fields when no, all the world is so beautiful. That is the shame, no? Yeah, that's right, Andre. You going home now? Yeah, I go home now, yes. Oh, I have wonderful, wonderful uh, suggestion. Wonderful suggestion. You come home with me, huh? We have good French meal. You like good French food? Yeah, sounds great. Your wife won't mind? Sure she mind, but who cares for the wife? Ah, come. <laughs> Your name was Johnny Dollar.
6: <laughs> funny name. Ah,
3: you have no sense. Woman, you do not tell a man he has funny names. I'm
6: oh, sorry, monsieur. Oh,
3: think nothing of it.
6: You
4: work at Milk?
3: That's right. He will make a wonderful worker, a very good man, because he know, he think, he use his head. Oh, I forget, Marie. The most terrible thing has happened. What? You know, Mac Baroldi. Mac, tall, long, thin, little hair. Well, Mike. Is pushed from rail and killed. No. Kill. Oh, terrible, terrible. You see it, no, Dollar? Yeah, I saw it. Somebody do it. Somebody. They catch him, boy. Andre, I think it's about time I let you in on a little secret. I'm with an insurance company. I'm investigating these murders. Huh? I found an asbestos cloak in your locker today. I have no asbestos cloak. I saw him. I killed, Andre. The killer wore this cloak. The cloak was in your locker. Maybe you'd better take it from there. You say I kill Mike. You tell me this. I take you to my house. You say terrible things to me like
6: this. You lie to me. You say you're a friend of mine. You leave.
3: You leave. Leave. Well, there goes some nice French cooking. Men's account, item 6, 25 cents for coffee and donuts at the corner cafe. I kicked myself a couple of times for breaking out the evidence before I should have. Then I went back to the open-heart office. Barrett had just arrived. He greeted me with a frown that reminded me of the last conversation we'd had.
4: Well, Dara, have you found anything else? You heard
3: what happened early this morning? About Mike, Yes. I thought you had it all figured out. Well, I still haven't. I chased the killer across the shop, but he got away. I see. No, you don't see. He had an asbestos cloak and hood over him.
6: Pretty clever fellow. Yeah,
3: and pretty big. I've got it narrowed down, but that doesn't help much. I suppose you've come to look through the
4: files again, just so you can tell who's going to be killed next.
3: Maybe it'll be different this time, Mr. Barrett. I think I'll just take that seniority list with me, if I may. I'm, uh... I'm going to go home and get some sleep.
4: How do you like the night shift?
3: It's anything but dull, Mr. Barrett. I'll see you later. Fence <laughs> account, item seven, one dollar even, cab fed, A boarding house, to which a surprise taxi driver chauffeured his first overall customer in what must have been years. Did I study the list in the cab? I did not. I grabbed a little sleep. The driver shook me awake. I paid him, went upstairs, and flopped in the cot. Then I opened the paper. The next name on the list was none other than Andre LaMere. <laughs> Expense account, item 8, 75 cents, taxi fare. I got to Andre's in 10 minutes. I was 20 minutes too late. The police were out front. He's dead. He's dead. I he killed him. Who killed him, Mrs. LaMea? Cute him, cute. Who? Who, Mrs. LeMay? The
8: man, the big man. He killed him.
3: Sergeant, take your. I'm sorry, Mrs. LeMay. Spencer account item eight, cab fare to plant. I tried to tell myself that there was nothing I could have done, that everything had pointed to Andre, but I'd seen his name on the seniority list, right below Mike Baroldi's. I'd drawn too many conclusions. It was clear now the asbestos cloak in Andre's locker had been a frame. Maybe insurance investigators shouldn't make mistakes, but they do. And sometimes fatal ones. I could lay the blame for Andre's death on nobody but myself. Myself and a big first helper named Joe Poland. Where's Poland, Barrett?
4: I don't know. He got sick, we sent him home.
3: What's his address?
4: I have it right here in my book. Well,
3: bring it with you. You and I are paying a visit to Joe Poland. I
4: hope you have a gun, Dollar.
3: Just in case. Knock. You better stand back. Yeah. Mrs. Poland?
4: Yeah.
3: your husband home? No. We're from the mills. This is Mr. Barrett. Huh? Where can we find your husband, Mrs. Poland?
6: In not home.
3: Mind if we come in and see? In
6: not home. Go away. him I'm home. sorry,
3: Mrs. Poland. We'll have to make sure. You stop. You try that door, Barrett. Uh, I think you'd better try it You now. go. All right.
6: You go. I
3: you. He's not here, Barrett. In the
6: home. I told you. He's not home.
3: Mrs. Poland, you may not know it. Your husband is wanted for murder. Murder? Yeah. Now, come on, tell us where he is.
4: You from Mills? I tell you nothing. Uh, uh, look, Mrs. Pullman, be reasonable. Reasonable. I... You be reasonable. Five kids. Be reasonable. This place be reasonable. Mills be reasonable. That's it. You
10: go. I can't believe
3: it. Come on, Barrett. You must have a peculiar theory of management, Barrett. I've been in dozens of plants and I've never seen anybody loved like you are. What do you do to them?
4: My theory of management is very simple men work better when the pressure's on. There it is. Cruel, but true. I have the top production result in the plant. You can't beat that.
3: How did you ever get off a bookkeeper's stool and into a mill? How did you ever get to be a supervisor? I'd like to meet the man that hired you.
4: (coughs) I give you ten days as a supervisor in the steel mills, dollar. You'd change your opinions fast. Men are no different now than they ever were. Give them an inch, they take a mile. Give them five minutes off, they take an hour. Let them out of your sight for a minute and they're playing cards in a corner.
3: You know, men are more than figures on a production chart. Could that be why you lost a lot of good first helpers, Barrett? Ah,
4: One maniac runs loose and you condemn the whole method. Ah, Sorry, Dollar. You've got a lot to learn about the practical management. You'd better just stick to investigation. And from the way you've messed this case up, I'd say you were the one who had a lot to learn in his field.
3: We rode back to the plant without a word. It wasn't just anger. There was so much difference between us, there was just nothing to say. Barrett got off and said he'd call the police if I had proof that Joe Poland was the killer. I said I didn't have any proof and for him to call the police anyhow. I took the stairs to the furnace floor. I knew Poland would be there. I don't know how I knew, I just knew. I wandered from furnace shanty to furnace shanty. I found him at number 12. He was cleaning out the clay of the tap hole before the force.
6: Joe! Yeah, take off the hood. What? Come on, Joe, it's all over, Dollar. No good, Dollar. Nobody takes job away from Joe. You see the list? I on top of list now, Dollar. I top of list now. Nobody takes job away. My kids, my wife—they be good now. is that? I get big raise now. I top of list no fire in me, eh?
3: Stay away, Joe.
6: Joe, I'll
3: shoot. The stopped, and then he came at me again as steady as before. The small trickles of blood started down his chest. Stop, Joe! His leg this time. He gripped it once, then let go. There was no expression of pain on his face, just determination. I was the last man in his way. After I was gone, he had a clear road, then he was on his huge hands gripping don't my throat. Below me, I could feel the of freshly poured steel bubbling I, in his face. Then I shot again. Close quarters this time, and right for the heart. Slowly, the hands relaxed. The huge body slumped over the railing and fell. There was a hiss and puff of steam. I stood up. My legs were trembling under me. I looked down, shielding my face. There was nothing to see. The slag had covered over. Expense account, item nine, $20.53. Flowers for Joe Poland's funeral. They buried a block of steel in place of his body. Barrett was standing there, standing to one side And Mrs. Poland and Mrs. Brody and Mrs. LaMere When the minister finished his little speech Mrs. Poland turned to Barrett I've never seen hate like that in anyone's eyes
1: Murderer You killed him You killed him, Barrett You killed them all You still killed them
4: They'll all die of your Come on, son, Mrs. Poland. Die. Come on. Murder.
5: That isn't going to. Come on
4: now. Oh, you... i Marina Mayor. Let me take you
5: home.
3: Well, so Mrs. Poland went home with the woman whose husband Joe had killed. And I wondered who are the murderers and where does murder start. Though I don't like to see anyone lose his job. I like petty Simon Legree even less, so I'm pleased to report that Joel Barrett has been replaced as supervisor. I finally concluded that if you trace a murder far enough, you get right back to every one of us. Expense account total, $520.25. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. <laughs>
2: Truly, Johnny Dollar stars Edmund O'Brien and was written by Gil Dowd and David Ellis, with music composed and conducted by Lee Stevens. Edmund O'Brien can currently be seen starring in the Harry M. Popkin United Artist Production, D.O.A. Featured in our cast were Joe Forte, Junius Matthews, Jack Petruzzi, Raymond Burr, Jack Crucian, Kay Stewart, and Peggy Webber. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. Join us again next week when, from Hollywood, Edmund O'Brien will return in another transcribed adventure
3: of yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
1: Stay tuned for Abbott and Costello next on Theater of the Mind time now for that crazy couple of guys who were starting to gain popularity way back in 1946 when this show was broadcast Costello's Pet Shop how to be good
11: and Costello program starring Bud Abbott and Lou Costello brought to you by Camel, the cigarette of costlier properly aged tobaccos. The Abbott and Costello program with the music of Carl Hoff and his orchestra, our singing star Amy Arnell, and spotlighting that chunky, chubby little cherub who when caught putting corn in his Uncle Artie Stebbins' pocket because he heard him say he was going to meet a young chicken, calmly
5: said, I'm a bad
7: Costello, Costello, what's going on there? What's the idea of bring that dog in here? Where'd you get him? Huh? I say, where'd you get that dog? Why bring him in here?
9: Oh, I found him, Abbott.
7: Costello, do you realize we're running a first-class pet shop now Get that dog out of here Oh,
9: no, Abbott, I'm going to keep this dog He's a genuine airplane dog
7: uh, An airplane dog?
9: Yeah, just look at his I
7: uh, Oh, stop <laughs> Costello, where'd you get that broken-down flea hound?
9: Abbott, how do you call this little dog a flea hound? He just took first prize at the cat show
7: Now, wait a minute How could he take first prize at the cat show?
9: He took the cat He
7: took
5: <laughs>
7: Costello, you take that dog right out of here now Remember that we don't want any mongrels in here with our other animals.
9: Abbott, don't make me chase this little dog away. He's taken the place of my other dog that died. His name was Corset. Corset? <laughs>
7: Corset? How did you happen to name the dog Corset? Because
9: we tied him up in the daytime and we let him out at night. Oh.
5: <laughs>
7: I remember that dog you had, Costello. He was a duck hunt. Yeah. Uh, wasn't he?
9: Yeah. Uh, one
7: of those long dogs. Yeah. How did he happen to die? It's
9: a sad tale, Abbott. What do you mean? He met his end going around a tree. Uh, going around.
7: <laughs> well, I'd be ashamed. To... <laughs> I'd be ashamed to go anywhere with that much. Oh, uh, no, Abbott. Oh, uh, yes. This dog has class. He goes
9: everywhere. He was at the UNO conference. He likes to hang around the big tree.
5: oh These dogs
7: Santa. What's wrong please. Stop this
2: fool
7: Now, no more nonsense, Costello Take it easy Hey, honest, Abbott He's a very smart
9: dog I'll prove it to you Susie How much is one and one? (laughs) That's right, ain't it, Abbott? (laughs) Don't you know? Now, Susie How much is two and two? (laughs) (laughs) Come on, come on, Susie Two and two is five (laughs) Come on, Susie (laughs) That's better Now, Susie For the final test Tell Abbott what time it is
5: Quarter to seven right. Wait a minute Costello.
7: Come here What kind of a dog is that? Do you remember that famous dog, Strongheart? Yes
9: This is his brother, weak stomach I... Now furthermore, Rabbit This is the kindest dog in the whole world Notice how he's got his tail curled up? What's he doing that for? He lets the fleas
7: loop the loop Look, Costello, don't bring any more broken-down animals please. Are you listening to me? I don't want you to bring any more broken-down animals into this pet shop. Now, get busy around here, now. Oh, answer that phone. Abbott Costello's pet shop. Mr. Costello, you have a greyhound. Yes, I do. Why don't you get on it and get out of town?
5: <laughs>
9: you know, that was a peachy joke. I'll pull it on Abbott. Hey, but do you have a greyhound?
7: No, but I have a setter.
9: You'll never get out of town that way. <laughs>
7: Oh, look, 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 Lou, Will you please stop this nonsense and get busy and clean up this pet shop before a customer comes in? Uh, by the way, what did you do with those uh, newborn puppies?
9: Oh, I put them in a dog incubator.
7: You do We have no dog incubator.
9: What's that can in the backyard that says deposit litter here? Yeah.
5: <laughs> That's a no <null> one.
7: <laughs> you dummy, those little puppies will catch cold in the backyard. One of the puppies has a coal already. Oh, then I want you to take that coal powder and, and put it in that long rubber tube. Place one in the tube in your mouth and one into the dog's mouth. Uh, you understand that? Yeah. And blow.
9: That's no good. I already tried it.
7: That? What happened? The dog blew first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, wait a minute. Hello. Abbott and Costello's pet shop. Who? Mrs. Pike? Yes, yes. I'll send Costello over What kind of a dog have you? Oh, a peek in ease. Okay, Mrs. Pike. Costello, I want you to go over and get a peek at Mrs. Pike. <laughs>
9: um, get a peek at Mrs. Pike? Uh, yes. Why can't I take a good look? I...
7: <laughs> Listen you, dummy. I want you to go after Pike's Peak.
9: What do you think I am, a mountain goat?
7: <laughs> Indeed, I want you to go to Mrs. Pike's house for a peek in ease.
9: Abbott, how dare you suggest so, such a thing? I might glance at her ankles, but I would never peek at her knees. Where do you go? I gotta finish. I gotta finish washing this dog. What dog? You know, that little white dog, that, um, that there, the one that, um. Uh,
7: spits? No, but he drools a little.
9: I
5: Never
7: <laughs> <laughs> mind that, Costello. Now I have to come back for Mrs. Pikes. I want you to take care of Mrs. Uh, Murphy's chow. Her uh, what? Her chow. How was is Mrs. Murphy's chow? I don't know. I never raided her house. <laughs> no, Costello, you're thinking of the chow you chew. Uh,
9: what? You, you
7: chew, you chew, you chew, you Gesundheit, chew. Gesundheit, tight.
9: <laughs> hey, you catch a call, Abel. Oh, I better ne- get that tube and put it in your mouth.
7: Oh, why did I ever go into business with you? You haven't done a thing in this pet shop since the day we opened it.
9: Oh, no? This morning I put a cage in the front window, and it's attracting more customers than anything you've done around the place.
7: You put a cage in the mm-hmm. front window? What's in it?
9: What's in it? Come here, I'll show you. Go <laughs> look at that. Listen. I
8: love you. Ouch. I love you. Ouch. <laughs> I love you. Ouch. I love you. Ouch. What in
7: the what in the world is that? Two
9: porcupines necking. <laughs>
11: And here's Carl Hoffman, the Camel Orchestra, with Come to Baby do.
7: Rover. Quiet, Fido. Costello. Costello, come here. Get busy now and take inventory of our animals here in the pet shop.
9: Okay, I'll count them. Four dogs. Three cats.
7: <laughs> Rabbits. <Yeah. laughs> Costello, you didn't count that little rabbit in the corner.
9: He wasn't there when I started counting. Oh, yeah.
7: <laughs>
6: Blood! Blood! I must have blood! Gallons of blood! I gotta have blood! Are you kidding? <laughs> Who are
9: you? Oh, just an old
6: bloodhound.
12: <laughs> <laughs> Hello!
9: Evan Costello Pet Shop. Do you have a giraffe in your pet
8: shop?
5: <laughs>
8: yeah. Yes, we have. Well, send it right over. I'm in the mood for a long neck.
9: That's it, Mr. Abbott. I'm going home. What are you
7: going home for?
9: To get a laugh. I haven't had one in two lines. <laughs> two
7: pages. Will you stop this, Costello, and wait on that man that just came in?
9: Yes, sir. Okay. How do you do? What can I do for you? Say, hey, buddy, I'd like to buy a canary. <laughs> a canary.
5: <laughs>
7: a canary.
9: <laughs> a canary? No, a parrot. <laughs> You know, I think you're giving me the bird. <laughs> now, look, I, I want to buy a parrot that talks and talks and talks for 24 hours a day. And when he gets tired of talking, I want him to scream at the top of his voice and call me all the names you can think of. What do you want with a parrot like that? Well, my wife's gone away, and I'm
7: lonesome.
5: <laughs> well,
7: we'll deliver the parrot in the morning. Now, can we call you a taxi?
9: Oh, no thanks, buddy. <laughs> I'll ride my pink elephant home. <laughs> I'll run and jump on his back. Here I go.
4: <laughs> Miss him every time.
7: Oh, forget him. Get busy, Costello. Costello, do you mm-hmm. hear me? Mm-hmm. What are you standing there looking in that cage for?
9: Gee, this is cute, Abbott. What do you mean? Four little skunks are playing bridge.
7: Four little skunks are playing bridge?
9: Yeah, they're playing for a tenth of a cent. Uh
7: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Costello, look who's coming in the door. Why, it's Bessie Mucho.
5: Hello,
9: Bessie. Hello, boys. I
10: came in to buy a young wire-haired doogie.
7: A young wire-haired doogie? (laughs)
9: Ah, oh, Abby, you know what a doogie is. That's a young poopy. A
5: poopy, poopy. <laughs> I'd like to get
10: a playmate for the little doogie. Um, would you suggest
9: a Siamese court? No, doogies don't like courts. Why don't you get a guinea poog or some little white meese?
5: <laughs>
9: I'll send my bootler over for the doogie in a toxie cobe Don't bother, Miss Mucho. I'll bring it over myself on the soon
10: set booze.
5: <laughs> oh,
10: thank you very much. And a bonus
9: notice to you. And a pair of old snowshoes to you, too.
5: <laughs>
10: oh, oh, i sorry I ran into you, sir.
9: Oh, uh, that's all right, Lossie. The pleasure was all mine. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Get out of here. Go on. Get up.
7: Get up. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it isn't. This is our friend Scotty Brown. What can we do for you, Scotty? You can in the back a dog?
9: <laughs>
7: I used to have a dog, but dogs are such a sneaky lot. What do you mean, dogs are sneaky? Well, my neighbor used to throw meat over the fence to the dog, and that darn dog would beat me to it every time.
5: <laughs>
7: well, I got to be getting home to my wife i got a box here for a nice box of fresh marshmallows. Scotty, I can't imagine you buying marshmallows for your wife. Oh, it's the thriftiest candy I can buy. Before my wife eats the marshmallows, she powders her nose with them first. <laughs> oh, good day, love. Oh, Costello, catch that cat and put him in a cage. What is he doing running all over the store to the other cats? Nothing, Abbott. I just sold him. He's going around breaking his engagements. Uh... <laughs> Costello. Here, come, here comes Mrs. Niles.
8: Oh, hello,
0: Mrs. Niles. Oh,
8: Mr. Evans, ma, you have such a lovely pet shop here, but I just can't help laughing at the stuffed baboon in the front window. Oh, pardon me. That's Costello.
5: <laughs>
8: uh, hello, Mrs. Niles. I see you have company with you. Who are those two people looking
9: over your shoulder? <laughs> pardon me. That's your ears. <laughs>
8: Quiet. Quiet, Costello.
7: What can we do for you, Mrs. Niles? Well,
8: I'm going away for the weekend, and I want to leave my little dog to board with you while I'm away. Come here to Lulu and say hello to the boys.
7: <laughs> what kind of a dog is that, Mrs. Niles?
8: She's a Doberman Pinscher. A Doberman what?
7: Uh, Pinscher. Pinscher.
8: <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? You're coming a Pinscher. Will you behave
7: yourself? Mrs. Niles. This dog doesn't look uh, like a full-blooded Doberman. Well, I
8: paid a thousand dollars for the dog. She's part Doberman and part bull.
7: What part is bull?
8: The part about the, th- the thousand. Wow!
9: <laughs> That's a good joke. If it comes out, Mr. Rabbit, wait a minute. Go back and do it over. I think. What part th- is bull? The part about the thousand dollars. Continue.
5: Oh.
8: Quiet, Mister Rabbit. Dog with you, and I'm going to hold you personally responsible for her. If anything happens to Tallulah, I'll come back here with the police and close up this place. This dog is just like my own little baby, aren't you, darling?
5: (coughs) (coughs) Yes, Mother.
11: Camel's lovely Amy Arnell brings you the popular favorite.
12: You won't be satisfied until you break my heart. You're never satisfied until the teardrop starts. I tried to shower you with love and kisses. But all I ever get from you is nagging and bragging My poor heart is sagging The way you toss my heart around, a crying shame I'll bet you wouldn't like it if I did the same You're only happy tearing all my dreams apart You won't be satisfied until you break my heart I try to shower you with love and kisses, but all I ever get from you is nagging and bragging, my poor heart is sagging, the way you toss my heart around a crying shame, I'll bet you wouldn't like it if I did the same, you're only happy tearing all my dreams apart, you won't be satisfied, your love won't be denied. You won't be satisfied until you break my
5: heart. Chickory Chick, Chickory Chick, Chalak Chalak
7: Costello, Costello, what are you doing?
9: I'm trying to sing Mrs. Niles' Dog to sleep. Now go to sleep. Tallulah? Chickery chick, chala chala oh, oh. <laughs> Hey, yeah, but that darn dog bit me Where did he bite you? Between a chickery chick and a chala chala Now, Stella, you
7: don't know how to handle dogs You have to teach the dog by imitation
9: What do you mean, imitation?
7: Well, if you want the dog to sit up, you sit up first and show him how it's done
9: Oh, I did that I showed the dog how to sit up and what happened? The dog patted me on the head and stuck a dog biscuit in my mouth
7: Put that dog out in the kennel in the backyard
9: No, Abbott, no she nearly froze out there last night.
7: Now, don't be silly. It wasn't cold last night.
9: Oh, no? Well, at midnight, she came in and put on a suit of my long underwear.
7: You idiot. How could a dog wear a suit of your long underwear?
9: She found out how to work those hinges.
7: <laughs> hey, hey, look, Costello. It's Mrs. Niles, French maid, Fifi LeBlanc.
8: Oh, hello, Monsieur Abbott, and you cute little man, Monsieur Costello. Fifi, come here and kiss your poor old father.
10: <laughs> Ah, why do you always pretend you love me, Monsieur Costello? You never give me anything. Gee, I wouldn't know what to give you. You have so much of everything. (laughs) And besides, I... Didn't I take you to Ciro's last night? Yes, but why didn't you take me inside?
7: (laughs) Now, listen, you two, we have work to do around here. Is there anything we can do for you, Fifi?
10: Oh, oh yes. I have a message for Mrs. Niles. She forgot to get a license for her dog,
9: Tolula.
7: Well, we'll take care of it right away. Costello, take Mrs. Niles' dog down to the city hall and get a license.
9: Fifi, will you drive me down to the city hall? But
7: Costello, you have your own car. Why do you want to ride with Fifi?
9: Don't mind him, folks. He still believes in the Easter Bunny.
7: <laughs> Costello, get out of here and get that dog license. Okay. <laughs>
10: Hello, Marriage License Bureau. Oh, hello, Mother. Yes, I'll be home for dinner early tonight. No, there aren't many people coming in for the marriage licenses today. I guess all the girls are waiting to become June brides. Oh, I have to hang up, Mother. A young man just came in the door. Goodbye.
9: Good afternoon. Is this the place where you get a license? Yes, it is. Where is the lucky little girl? Oh, she's out in the hall. She's sniffing around. (laughs)
10: Well, a lot of them don't like the smell of the place It's a pretty old building Now, uh, what are your
9: names? My name is Lou Costello, and her name is Tallulah
10: I'll bet she's happy that you're getting the license Uh Uh-huh, she licked my hand (laughs) Licked your hand? Yeah, then she leaned down and drooled on my shoe (laughs) She certainly must love you Uh, what does she
9: look like? She's a sort of chocolate brown (laughs)
10: Chocolate brown? Mm Mm-hmm Oh, well, I suppose she spends a lot of time in the sun Uh, Tell me more about her Is uh, she the dainty type?
9: Not exactly Her ears are too long They hang down in her food when she's eating (laughs) You're kidding now Oh, no We have to pin her ears on top of her head with a clothespin
10: (laughs) Well, as long as you love her Mm -hmm. I... Do hope there'll be some little ones. Yeah, and if there is, I'm going to keep all the males. What? I'm going to keep all the males. What about the females? I'll give them to the neighbors. (laughs) Well, I suppose it's people's own business what they do. Now, uh, for the final question, how old are you? I'm 28. How old is Tallulah? I think she's about six or seven. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Costello, are you a hillbilly? I'm sorry, she's much too young. Now, you'll have to bring her father and mother in.
9: I can't do that. Her mother ran away with a boxer. And the last we heard of her father, he was hanging around the back door of the backstage bar eating out of the garbage cans. Doesn't she have any other relatives in town? Yeah, she had nine pups last month. Oh! Oh!
7: What was wrong with her? Costello, I'm glad you're back. Mrs. Niles is here and wants
9: her dog. Yes, Costello, where is Tallulah? A terrible thing happened. I left the dog outside the license bureau, and when
8: I come out, she was gone. Gone? Yes. Why, you little idiot. I'll sue you for this. I'll... Just a minute. Just a minute, Mrs. Niles. I'll get you another dog. I'll get you a bird dog. Oh, what do I want with a bird dog?
9: I have no bird. Well, then I'll get you a sled dog. I have no sled. I'll get you a bloodhound. Try and get out of that one. (laughs)
8: Listen to me, Costello. If you don't find my dog by midnight tonight, I'll have you sent to Alcatraz. Remember? Have my dog Tallulah back at my house tonight, or else.
9: (laughs) (laughs) Gee, Abbott, I can't walk any further. We've searched every street in this town, and here we are now, way out in the country. We'll never find that dog in the dark.
7: Yes, we will. Just stick close to me. Oh! Costello, that sounded like a wolf.
9: It can't be a wolf. We're too far from Hollywood and Vine. <laughs>
7: hey, look, Costello. Here are our dog tracks. They lead down this path to the old deserted house in the trees.
9: I'm not going to that house, Abbott. Everybody says that house is haunted.
7: Now, don't start that stuff, Costello. I told you before that a ghost is nothing but a myth. A myth? Yes. You know what a myth is, don't you?
9: Yeah. A myth is uh, an unmarried girl. Oh. <laughs> you talk, sense. Knock on the door. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's a sign on the door.
7: What does it say? It
9: says, dear milkman,
7: leave two quarts of blood. Uh, <laughs>
9: Abbott, let's get out of this place. Here, I'll open the door.
7: Come on, let's go in. Gee, it's dark in here.
9: What's that noise, Abbott?
7: Oh, that's nothing but an old clock ticking. Uh, sure, that's all it is. Just an old clock. <laughs> what was that? 11.30. Oh.
5: <laughs> Oh, that was
7: just a street child someplace. <laughs> Call the dog, Costella. Call the dog.
5: Oh, Tallulah!
9: Oh, Tallulah! Abbott, yeah, somebody just go back to me.
7: Well, that was your echo, you dummy. Try it again. You'll see.
9: Oh, Tallulah! Oh, Tallulah!
7: See, Costella, try it again.
9: Come here, doggy. Come here, doggy. This is your friend, Louie. Very glad to know you. <laughs> I want to know, Abbott. I'll see you later.
7: Come back, come back here, Costella. That was the little barking. The barking came from that closet. I look in the door, and you catch the dog when she comes out. Quick. Watch what you're grabbing,
5: please. <laughs> Ken Niles,
7: what are
9: you doing in this deserted house?
7: Yes, wait a minute. And you've got your wife's dog with you. Uh, what's behind
11: all this, Ken? Speak up. What are you up to? Oh, all right. All right, I'll tell the truth. Come on, tell the truth. i got to tell somebody. Come on, tell us. You see, my wife is a vegetarian. Every day in our house is a meatless day. She never gives me anything but spinach, broccoli, cauliflower, string beans, and parsley.
9: Oh, this guy's a regular victory garden with suspenders.
11: (laughs) And finally, I couldn't stand it any longer. The vegetables were driving me crazy. At last, my mind snapped. (laughs) Oh, come on, come
7: on, get to the...
5: (laughs)
9: To the point, Niles.
7: Why did you
11: bring the dog to this deserted house? I, I didn't bring her here. She she followed me.
9: That's silly, Niles. Why should the dog follow you?
11: I stole her bone. Alan and Costello will be back for Camel cigarettes in just a moment. And now, tonight's salute to the men in the armed forces who won through to victory. Tonight, we hail the men of the 89th Middle West
2: Division, heroes of Bingen, Eisenbach, and Central Germany, who overran scores of Nazi cities and captured more than 20,000 prisoners. Since the beginning of the war, the makers of camels have sent more than 150 million free camels to our fighting men overseas. But now, with demobilization in progress, free camels are sent to servicemen's hospitals instead. This week, the camels go to U.S. Army AAF Regional and Convalescent Hospital, Fort George Wright, Spokane. U.S. Naval Hospital, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, U.S. Marine Hospital, Galveston, Texas, Veterans Hospital, St. Cloud, Minnesota, and Veterans Hospital, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, in your honor, men of the Middle West Division.
11: Camel broadcasts go out to the United States twice a week. Our rebroadcast to practically every area in the world where our men are stationed and to our good neighbors in Central and South America. And I'll hear Bud and Lou with the final word. Well, Costello,
7: you finally solved the case of the missing dog.
9: Ah, but that was nothing. In fact, ladies and gentlemen, if you will wait until after the program, I'll tell you about how I helped J. Edgar Hoover capture
7: a ring of spies. No, no, not that.
5: Anything but that. Oh, he's the biggest liar in the world. Let me out
7: of here. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Hey, look, Lou. Costello, it's your old friend Mullenhead sitting in the audience.
9: How do you like that? I thought the moon was coming up. <laughs> You're going to be smart. Costello, why do you insist upon
11: trying to make people think? Give them the impression that you're smart and intelligent. You couldn't even give me the answer to the most elementary riddle. I'll try you. What's the difference between a girl, a soldier, and a water pistol? I don't know. You don't know. All right? A soldier faces a potter, and a girl potters her face.
9: What's the water pistol for? That's for a little squirt like you. (laughs) (laughs)
6: Good
11: night, folks.
5: Good night. Good night, Dennis
11: wait for another great Abbott Costello show brought to you by Camel Cigarettes. And remember, try camels in your tea zone. See if they don't suit your taste, your throat to a T.
5: C-A-M-E-L-S
11: Millions of men, women and children in Europe and Asia today face starvation. You can help by eliminating all waste of foods in your home. By turning in all of your used fats, and by producing and preserving all food possible through home gardening and canning. Share a meal, save a life. Be sure to listen at this very same time next week for another Abbott and Costello show for Camel Cigarettes. Thursday night is All-Star Night on NBC. Stay around now for Rudy Valley over most of these stations. This is Ken Niles in Hollywood wishing you all a pleasant good night for Camel. (laughs) This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.
1: Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night it's X-1, followed by Duffy's Tavern. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer.